2: time Kia ora and welcome to extra time I'm Barry guy today we have a track and field extravaganza there's just been a world championships the Nationals are this weekend and the Commonwealth Games are just a few weeks away so let's spotlight on track and field Dame Valerie Adams is one of the country's track and field athletes who need to prove their form at this weekend's national championships in Hamilton before they can be confirmed in the team for the Commonwealth Games. A majority of the 19-strong Commonwealth Games team will be in action at Porritt Stadium, with much of the interest centred on the shot-put circle.
3: It was a rush of adrenaline, pretty much, you know, that I just grabbed the shot and I just went in and gave my best shot. And it wasn't enough to take the win, but...
2: um, It's been 19 months since we shared in the roller coaster ride Adams went through when she was pipped for gold in a dramatic end to the shot-put competition at the Rio Olympics. But she's back and with the Olympics well behind her, Adams is enjoying life with her new baby daughter, who was born just four and a half months ago. She was training before giving birth and has wound up this year to put her straight back into contention at her fifth Commonwealth Games, while this weekend she should claim her 15th national title. Athletics New Zealand High Performance Director Scott Goodman says out of respect for what she has achieved... Adams probably just has to show this weekend that she's in reasonable form. No distance has been stipulated. Goodman has been a part of Adams' training group for the last couple of months and says she's been phenomenal.
4: I can't believe where we've come in the last eight weeks. What she's doing in the gym, what she's lifting, how hard she works. And then I think by this weekend she'll be in that 17, 18 metre range and I think with another four weeks she's going to be really competitive by the Games.
2: Despite her pedigree, Adams will be challenged at the Commonwealth Games with Jamaica's Daniel Thomas Dodd throwing a personal best 19.22 metres and claiming silver at last weekend's World Indoor Championships. Tom Walsh starred for New Zealand at the Indoor's last weekend, defending his world title. Walsh will be aiming for his ninth straight shot put title in Hamilton but is making no predictions as he wants to manage his workload and peak for Australia.
4: Without doubt, I'll come down a little bit, just because I know that I need to, you know, the most important thing is is he's thrown far in, you know, a month's time at Com Games. But the Com Games middle is one thing I don't have, the goal that is, and I feel like it's something that I need to pick off the, the list.
2: Scott Goodman of Athletics New Zealand says while Walsh isn't peaking for the Nationals, he wouldn't be surprised to see a top distance. The all-comer's record of 22.15 metres might be within his reach.
4: Sometimes after a major meet, he's actually thrown further within a couple of weeks. He's in great form. I suppose it'll just depend how he travels back. As long as he gets off the plane and he feels all right, I wouldn't be surprised if he threw really well.
2: On the track, the sprinter Joseph Miller is chasing his fifth sprint double at the National Champs. His first taste of top international competition was at last year's World Championships, and he's ready to impress in a very competitive 200 at the Commonwealth Games. Victory seems likely for Miller this weekend, but because the Commonwealth Games are just a month away, he's unlikely to run a top time.
3: I have just come off a bit of heavy training, so I will not be able to run as fast as I possibly could, but it doesn't mean I can't run fast, so it's more of an indicator of
2: what's to come. Discus throwers Marshall Hall and Setina Hakai must throw certain distances this weekend to confirm their participation on the Gold Coast. Of some of the other Commonwealth Games athletes competing in Hamilton, Brad Mathis is chasing a seventh straight 800-metre title. Hamish Carson is after a sixth 1500-metre title. And while he's not going to the Commonwealth Games, spare a thought for 64-year-old Auckland walker Mike Parker, who was in two events this weekend. He won his first national title in 1978 and is the oldest New Zealand champion after winning the 3,000 metre race walk in 2015 at the age of 61. As we heard there, Tom Walsh is competing fresh from retaining his world indoor shot put title. He dominated the event in Birmingham and finished 87 centimetres ahead of the second place getter. Walsh told Joe Porter that he's in good form.
4: I just got confidence at the moment. I know I'm in great shape. You know, I'm just about to throw out some cliches here for you, but you know, uh, in training wise, uh, the gym has been done, uh, really good with new PVS there. Throwing wise has been coming along. I've been really comfortable uh, in the circle and, uh, and and just having the belief and and uh, knowing that you know everything was leading to, to this was uh, was probably why that I, I had the confidence just to go after it and, and I threw as well as I did.
5: Have you ever felt that kind of confidence before in your career?
2: Have you ever felt this strong, this uh, invincible, so to speak? Uh,
4: no, mate, I haven't actually. It, it, uh, I think every every time you come to a major, you know, you, you're another year older or, or something like that. So uh, it's, it's, it's definitely a good feeling that every every year I get more and more confident, uh, and obviously I get more and more comfortable at the major champs, which is the main thing.
5: I mean, is there anything that you find you still struggle with mentally? You must be pretty strong now in that side of things. Um, you, you're led from start to finish. I mean, there's it doesn't seem like there's much that can rattle you at the moment.
4: No, no, look, there's not, not a hell of a lot. Um, but, I, you know, nerves, I still get nervous. Uh, and I still still uh, need to keep working on keeping those under control because the only time I really get nervous now is, is at the big competitions. Um, and... Uh, you know, look, it's been a great kind of three years for me, uh, with, with a few wins under my belt um, on the scene, and that uh, I always feel like that. You know, that those nerves, uh, if, you, if you don't stay on top of them uh, and keep and have different ways of, of being able to handle it um, and look after them, you know, it can come up and bite you pretty quickly. Uh, but at the moment, um, the mental side is, is going really well. I'm feeling really mentally strong and, and confident. As I've talked to you about, uh, that I don't feel like anything can it can uh, you know, stop me at the moment, but that's when
2: you know, you got to stay on top of it as well. It's Tom Walsh. A number of the track runners are skipping the National Track and Field Championships as it doesn't fit into their programme. However, the Waikato Bayer Plenty sprinter, Joseph Miller will be competing. 25-year-old Miller will run the 200 metres at the Commonwealth Games. Miller's first major international competition was at last year's World Championships and he feels that has helped him prepare for the next phase of his career.
3: The World Champs was a big event for me to go to, but my main focus of that was to go over, perform the best that I could, and really learn for you know, the Commonwealth Games and the events that I'm going to be going to. After that, basically leading into the Olympics in 2020, I feel like I've had some... like, From going over and doing that to then going to the Commonwealth Games, I feel like I've I've done... I've done a bit now where I know what happens and, and how how to get ready for it because so, you can do all, all the training and stuff that you want but unless you go into these meets and getting championship experience, that way you can do all sorts of things like keep your head and make like actual plans or visualise what you're going to do so when you get there, it's just another day. You're there to do your job, it's all business, that sort of thing and the training that you have done can come out properly instead of being overwhelmed or, or that sort of thing that happens to a lot of athletes who may or may not have the ability to you know, go through and make finals but end up getting caught up in the moment.
2: I imagine the sprints are still pretty competitive at the Commonwealth Games. I mean, you don't have the likes of the Americans there, of course, but you know the Caribbean and African and British and that sort of thing.
3: Yeah, it's it's very interesting in the Commonwealth Games to have a look at what events are still very strong with the absences of those those other countries. Um, sprints being one of them, where sprinting in the Commonwealth is very strong, um, where you really are only just missing the Americans. So it'll be it'll be interesting. The Commonwealth Games are a lot more like compact in terms of. The events, the 100 and the 200, are back to back, so it could that could make things very interesting. Also, just that like, there, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors such as it, it being our time of the year to peak. We always peak year in, year out at this time, um, whereas other countries are having to try to do that during the winter. Then they've got to come all the way over here. A lot of our runners will, will struggle going all the way over there, so it'll be interesting to see how they then cope coming over our way so i think we've definitely got the uh, home court advantage
2: joseph miller meanwhile three-time commonwealth games medalist nick willis is philosophical about missing out on the gold coast games saying he's had a good run injury wise a stress fracture in his lower leg has forced the 34 year old willis to withdraw and his focus now is the world champs next year and the 2020 Tokyo Olympics.
6: Back last year, um, we thought this was a really awesome opportunity to return back to where it all sort of started, 2006 in Auburn in Australia, where my international career started. got to get on top of the podium here at the National Anthem and I think inspire a lot of the guys now that are coming through, the Robertson twins and Hamish Carson and Julian Matthews and had a chance to do the same again. These Commonwealth Games, so I put in a lot, a lot of miles, a lot of hard work, 160k weeks. Um, Riding was on the wall two weeks ago when I sort of missed my first target, where I sort of progressed to the next phase of cross-training. There still had a little bit of pain in my legs, so I knew getting out to, to full weight running was going to be a stretch. So the decision's really been made for me by the pain My by the inability to start running yet. I've still got a couple more weeks before that's the reality.
2: So so the frustration, or or how frustrating is it, or or do you go, actually, I've had a pretty good run injury-wise and and I've been quite fortunate?
6: It's a bit of both. It's still very healthy to to go through a grieving process when you have a disappointment, an injury, or whatever it is. So it's sort of a 48-hour period where, where I sort of dealt with all of that. Then at the same time, it made it much easier to move on from that to think, won three Commonwealth medals, a couple of Olympic medals I've had very few injuries that have held me back the year so I've had a very good run of it so I can't really complain
2: So what do you do now? What's your calendar going to look like for, for the rest of the year?
6: Well I'm sure it's disappointing not to go to the games but when the final decision was made by my coach it was actually a, a big relief because I wasn't able to make that decision myself you know I, I would do whatever I could to try and get on that start line but I deep down knew it was the right decision and in the end, I, I couldn't. It wasn't even an option. But I meant that there was a relief because I could be a lot more patient. There was no more haste required and, and slowly getting back to full training um, so we can transition with this cross-training and running. And there's no, there's no more championships in the Northern Hemisphere season, so we can choose when we want to race based on when I'm fully healthy and got a good lot of training. And So the real goal is just to get some momentum again the World Championships next year and then the Olympics in 2020. We've got plenty of time to pick and choose some races that will just um, build back the confidence and um, show that I'm still ready and one of the, the main guys um, to, be, to be reckoned with, both to myself and to my competitors. After an injury, you always lose a little bit of that swagger and so it's important to slowly regain that without jumping right into deep into too early.
2: That's Nick Willis talking to Sports Editor Stephen Hewson and this is Extra Time. A statue honouring Olympic champion and world record holder John Walker will be unveiled at his former school in Manurewa this weekend. The life-size bronze statue depicts him crossing the finish line and winning gold in the 1,500 metres at the 1976 Montreal Olympics. This item was on Morning Report with Susie Ferguson. It's
7: Walker, Walker from Van Dam, Van Dam challenging, Walker, Van Dam, Walker, Walker leads, two metres back to Van Dam, Coghlan challenging, Walker leads... Walker leads. Walker leads. Two metres to go, and they'll never catch him. Walker leads. Walker wins. Walker wins the 1500 metres. What a great run! Walker has won the gold for New Zealand. The time: three
1: thirty-nine. Well, that was the high point of Sir John Walker's record-breaking career, and the picture of the long-haired runner, both hands reaching high as he crossed the line to win gold, flashed around the world's news wires. Well, that image has now been immortalised in a bronze statue. That will be unveiled tomorrow at the primary school in Manurewa that Sir John attended 60 years ago. With us now is the sculptor Joanne Sullivan and also sports historian Ron Polenski. He was watching from the stands in Montreal on that famous day. Kia ora, good morning. Thanks for being with us, both of you. Uh,
7: good morning, Sissy. Sure, good morning.
1: Ron, if yeah. I could start with you, you remember the moment, you saw the moment and was there. What was it like?
5: Uh, it's one of those breathless moments where you—it's you, sort of just—it's such an astounding moment for for John and 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 for New Zealand that it it just sticks in your mind. You know, you, it's it's one of those things that you never ever forget, and there aren't many of those. But you know, I can just remember it so vividly, and you know, John crossing the line and in the in the pose that the that the statue immortalizes, and then going down under the stand afterwards and hugging him, and oh, it was just fantastic.
1: And so, Joanne, what's it been like to try to recreate that moment?
7: It's a tremendous honour to be given the privilege of such a, capturing such a moment. Uh, I'd say that the tricky part was starting, um, and that was watching a lot of research, but it was fantastic. Um, it's just been a tremendously lovely project to be involved with, and uh, capturing all the nuances Fortunately, I have a background in anatomy because, of course, being an athlete, every single muscle is showing. It has to be in the right flexion, the extension, and so that a physiotherapist can run their hands over it and say, yep, everything's in the right place. So that's challenging, but that's what I do. So (laughs) it was lovely.
1: With that background in anatomy, is that perhaps made it at all easier for you to be trying to recreate that moment, because it's, it's a very different thing, I would guess, trying to sculpt a moving, a kind of a snapshot of a moving moment rather than something static.
7: Absolutely. Um, I, it helps hugely to actually know how the body actually functions and works. So with a nursing background for about seven years, long before I started sculpture and anatomy and theatres, one gets a very good feeling. But again, when one puts it into sculpture, you actually have to feel the piece, and with the knowledge behind it. It's like a tapestry, adding all of the elements together 30 years later of experience to come together to go, ding, that is the moment. That is the moment that you can actually feel as his foot comes down on the heel and just see the tension in the arch of the foot because his toe hasn't quite landed yet. That's what gives the piece life.
1: And so... How long has it taken you to do this?
7: Um, The maquette, the first start, which is the miniature, was about three months, and that's very detailed. And then another three or four months working on the enlargement, and then three months into the casting. So um, 11 months, almost a year.
1: Ron, just a final word to you. We're nearly out of time, but I guess pretty exciting for you to be able to see something like this.
5: Well, I'm looking forward to being able to to see it. Um, there's, There's a statue of... Peter Snell and Overnacki, and now one of John and where It's uh, you know I think it's it's wonderful for athletics and wonderful a way to remember um, a great athlete like John.
2: On to some other sport now, and there is little doubt Ross Taylor would have to be the star of the week for his performance in the fourth One Day Cricket international against England. Taylor struck a career high 181 not out, his 19th One Day ton playing through the pain after aggravating his thigh injury as he helped the Black Caps to a five-wicket win. Taylor spoke to John Campbell about what was one of the greatest New Zealand one-day cricket innings.
8: First and foremost, you've got to try and get yourself in and um, get a partnership and, and try and give ourselves a chance of um, of getting close to the target anyway. But um, we are able to get um, a good partnership with Kane and then again with Tom Latham. And, and then we got um, you know close to the target and we and were able to get across the line, which was good.
5: But but did you have the audacity to think you could get even closer, two for two, chasing, you know, well north of three I mean, hundred? Did you, what what were you thinking about? What was possible as you walked out?
8: Um, I think you know if you look at if you look at it as soon as you get out there, two three hundred is is just too far away. You it, it's probably more daunting. I just thought my first goal was to try and. myself in get to get some runs and then get to 10 overs and just get those little goals along the way it wasn't until we got to about 200 that i even thought we had a chance of winning um so you know there's a lot of hard work goes in before that to to get us into that position
5: and when you thought you had a chance of winning does that change how you approach the innings does uh, perversely actually the pressure go on at that stage when you're in with a shot
8: Uh, probably a little bit um but at the same time you just got to try and trust you're making the right decision at the right time. Um, I guess, the, in hindsight, I think the injury probably, if anything, probably helped me out a little bit. And the fact that, um, you know, there's only, I was either had to go off for hurt or just get, um, like, or try and hit boundaries and get the odd single. Um, <laughs> so, that, um, that, they were odd singles, weren't they? You weren't enjoying running. <laughs> oh, no, because well, the funny thing is, is, every now and then you would run you know, a, a single and it wouldn't hurt, and then one would, then the next time it would really hurt, so I don't know
5: what's going on. Yeah. You are a remarkable bugger. And, I mean, I, I, I think of all the things we understand about you, uh, clearly everyone who loves the game of cricket knows you're a brilliant cricketer. But I think what people are only just getting to grips with is how tenacious and singular you are as a character. You are, in your own quiet, understated way, tough, aren't you?
8: Um, well, I suppose probably my upbringing and the way I was raised and coming from a little town, uh, you gotta, you gotta be pretty strong character, pretty resilient. Um, and, and that, and the family had a big part to play in that. Um, and coming from a and, uh, we, we, uh, anyone gets too big for the boots, they, they get knocked down pretty quickly. So, um, you know, it's a trait that, uh, you know, I would like to be, you know, to continue to improve on and continue to do it. But um, at the end of the day, it's just who I am, and um, and just being authentic to myself, I guess.
5: Resilient—that's the word, isn't it? It's a beautiful word. It's a great quality, and it's a it's a it's a role model quality, isn't it? In sports, people—the ability to overcome and to keep on keeping on.
8: Yeah, I I guess as a professional sportsman you do have a lot of ups and downs, whether it's in performance or whether it's an injury. Um, you know, there's a lot of other things that can affect you um on what's going on um uh, outside of uh cricket as well. So, um, you know, the more you how you deal with those situations and if you come up with them again, um, hopefully you've learned from it and can be a better cricketer and a better person for it as well.
5: You talked about your upbringing in Masterton, and I know we've discussed this before, but I'm absolutely fascinated about your time at Upper College, and when you were playing cricket there, what you were dreaming of. Did you ever dream of anything as wonderful as this?
8: No, oh, I think I would have been happy if I played one Test match, one ODI. I think um, you know, I just wanted to play for New Zealand, play for Central District. Those were my big goals um, growing up. Um, I had my posters of all Vittori um, and Astor and Fleming and, um, <laughs> on the wall uh, growing up and was lucky enough to play with them all as well. So, um, no, I never never dreamt that I would have um, half the career that I've had to date. But in um, saying that, I'm uh, proud of what I've achieved and hopefully I can achieve a lot more over the next few years.
5: Yeah, I love the the, the use of the words to date. I mean, you're still a work in progress, aren't you? 17 test centuries, 19 one-day internationals, averages in the late 40s in, in both forms of the game, and you are still playing and you look at least as good as you've ever looked.
8: Yeah, um, I think, if anything, the, the ideal scenario for any professional athlete is to go out um on their own terms and, and at the top of their game and um I'm I'm getting I'm getting a bit older. Um thirty thirty fourth my birthday, Today, yeah. Happy and, birthday. And um, you know, every time I wake up in the morning it's just a little bit slower. So um I um the oh sorry. Thank, thank, thank you. you. thank you. Sorry, just <laughs> getting people um shaking my hand. Um,
5: I bet you, you are. What's what's that feel like? I mean, the,
8: thank and, you.
5: Thank and, you. W- w- were you doing selfies, Ross? Yeah. Um, I,
8: obviously, they don't know I'm doing an <laughs> <laughs> That's all right, bro. It's they nice. They probably think I'm just doing it my
5: wife. Where are you now? You're at Dunedin Airport. Yeah, I'm I, about the board. Yeah. I had that sense. That, that, uh, and you're going to Christchurch. Have you got any chance of playing on Saturday? Is that a bloody cruel question to ask you? Uh,
8: no, I think I've got a little, little chance. Um, but I'll find out more over the next little while. But um, I'll try my best and... Um, recover as well as I can and give myself the best chance to help the team and contribute to a Series 1
2: Ross Taylor talking to John Campbell Ever faithful Warriors rugby league fans are hoping for a change of fortune The National Rugby League season kicks off for the side in Perth when they play South Sydney there this weekend It's seven long years since the club last made the top eight playoffs and to make matters even worse they finished 2017 with nine straight losses Ravindahunia looks at whether the signs are any different for 2018.
9: March 10th 1995, a New Zealand Rugby League legacy was born. The Warriors make history running through a lit Mount Smart Stadium tunnel for the very first time.
5: The crowd welcomes the Auckland Warriors Dan listen to this crowd now.
9: Among those who ran out on that historic day was a 23-year-old Stephen Kearney. Now 23 years on, the team he now coaches will begin their season on the exact same date in Perth with an objective to get the club back to winning ways.
0: Certainly the hard work that the boys have put in you know, during the pre-season and it's you know about all putting it together now for round one, and you know we're coming up against a challenging side, and so it's just about you know the expectations, about you know piecing uh, the improvements that we you know wanted to work on, uh, you know putting it to work on Saturday afternoon.
9: Kearney has been busy in the off-season signing New Zealand internationals Adam Blair and Tōhu Harris. He's named a 21-man squad, which includes seven debutants, in the hope of rectifying last year's disappointing results. But former Kiwi's coach Graham Lowe says it will take more than a few fresh faces to turn things around in 2018. The Warriors lost their last nine games of the season last year, and Lowe says a lack of club culture is stopping the club from gaining credibility.
4: Culture is about the expectations, it's about how everyone treats results, it's about accountability. It's not about how you do your hair or anything like that. Culture is about what it takes to actually be a good footy club and have been lacking at the Warriors.
9: The Warriors are yet to win in Western Australia after nine attempts, and an unsuccessful result this weekend will be added pressure on Kearney's coaching role.
4: When you coach, it's always your last chance. It's one of those unfortunate jobs that
8: you measured by
4: your last result. Blind Freddie can tell that the, the Warriors' performances in recent years have been woeful. It would have been preying on Stephen's mind and and it's up to him to make to make the appropriate changes.
9: Warriors stalwart Sir Peter Leach, a.k.a. the Mad Butcher, has kept the faith during the lean years and is ever the optimist.
7: But they just got to do the work on the field. Simple as that. We've got a new CEO, we've got some new players, we've got a new fitness trainer.
4: Yeah, I can see a light at the end of the tunnel.
9: The Warriors' first home game of the season is against the Gold Coast Titans next weekend. Mo taka o te ahipō nei,
2: there was no surprise when John Plumtree was announced as Chris Boyd's successor at the Hurricanes Super Rugby Club. Boyd and Plumtree arrived at the Hurricanes in 2015 after working together in Wellington and at the South African side, the Sharks. The pair guided the Hurricanes to their maiden Super Rugby title in 2016. It had always been planned by Boyd and the Hurricanes that Plumtree would take over. And when he spoke to the media, Plumtree was honoured to have got the top job at the club he loves.
10: I'm absolutely delighted with, you know, my appointment. You know, for a for a long time now, I've had the, the Hurricanes uh, head coaching role in my sights. You know, I've had to go around the world a couple of times um, before it's happened, but um, yeah, I'm just I feel absolutely privileged. You know, I've, I love Wellington um, and the region, um, the people, uh, the fans, the stakeholders. Everyone's been so good to me since I've come back here from um, South Africa and Ireland. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm just. Uh, Really looking forward to um, you know 2019 and and the, and the three years, obviously. But um, you know, obviously, I'm, my focus right now is just to make sure that this 2018 season is um, you know as best that it can be. Uh, you know, we feel like we've got a great squad, and you know, we had a pretty tough start, but we uh, we're home and we're good to go for this weekend. And I'm still asking myself, you know, how I'm going to um, do all of this. Um, obviously, the role changes and. And like I say, I'm, I enjoy the on-field coaching and I don't really think that'll change too much. I think um, I might spread the load a bit in some areas and carry on with uh, you know making sure that I have a, a big influence on the grass. I think that's important because uh, I, I don't want to change who I am and that's what I've always done and it's worked for me. So, um, yeah, it's just making sure that uh, I spread myself right across the whole, I guess, in the environment, if you like, and uh, and without neglecting anything, and uh, and make sure that I do um, carry on having an influence with the, with the you know with our strategies etc on the field. You know I think we'll 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 a lot will stay the same. You know I think that's the, the beauty about um, me taking over from Boydie, um, that that we'll that we'll get that continuity and everything that we do. Um, you know there's going to be some changes. Obviously, um, the way I do things—I mean, I'm, I'm a different person than Boydie. Uh, as much as we think alike in many respects, I'm, I'm a, a you know, different man. So uh, there will be a few changes, but there'll be a lot of continuity in what we do. So yes, yeah, so I'm just—I'm just looking forward to that. I hope the team really enjoys that little bit of difference as well. I think they know me pretty well, and. As much as I come across as a pretty, everyone seems to think I'm a major disciplinarian and a grumpy guy. It's it's not the case. Behind the scenes, I'm I'm pretty relaxed and and uh, I like to have a lot of fun with everybody in our in our group. Um, so uh, it's uh, but when it's time to switch on and get organised and and uh, and get ready to to uh, to go out there, we we we're, we're a pretty serious bunch. So uh, and that that's the beauty about it. And box is that something that you were looking at. For the trip? <laughs> Oh, look, I don't know, you know, I mean, yeah, of course, I mean, one day I'd like to think I'd, you know, put myself up there and, and you know, and for a job like that, whether i you know, being part of the management team or the All Blacks, but, you know, I think uh, we'll just take one day at a time here. <laughs> I've got a big enough job to do the Hurricanes
2: over the next few years. That's John Plumtree. And that's extra time for this week. You can follow us on Twitter, at RNZ Sport. I'm Barry Guy. Bye for now. <laughs>